So I was wondering if a pandemic amnesty were to occur, uh, amnesty for what is my big question. And I've been thinking that we get approached this a bunch of different ways. In our last portion of our conversation, I think we did the thing we often do, which is to dance all around the fire without stepping into the fire. Uh, so um, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to launch in on today's episode of Totally Classic uh, with me, Brendan McNamara. And me, Andy Swindler. And just define amnesty and then talk about what offenses have been uh, committed. So if we're going to talk about a pandemic amnesty, it's fascinating that we're talking about it. In some ways, it's great. I mean, it's already talking about, I would hope, it, it seems to be trying to avoid, the whole conversation seems to be trying to avoid actual apology and restitution, which I think is a key element that we're going to have to, we would have to make sure happens as well. Um, amnesty can mean grant an official pardon to, but as a noun, it means an official pardon for people who have been convicted of political offenses or a decision by a government that allows political prisons to go free or um, a fixed period of time during which people are not punished for, for committing a particular crime or a decision by the government to forgive people who have been committed particular illegal acts or crimes and not to punish them. Um, so the thing we're seeing over and over again in all these definitions, right, is the committing of crimes, the committing of crimes, the conviction of crimes, things that were uh, that were a violation in some way. So in in a way, I was excited to see this article in the Atlantic by Emily Oster. Let's declare a pandemic amnesty, because in many ways that in and of itself as a headline is a confession. But it's a weird like, sidelong confession, because, of course, in it the whole premise was essentially like, oh gosh, didn't we just all lose our minds there for a little bit? <laughs> um, so I wanted to look, I was like, let's look at like what what sort of things, I don't know, what crimes were committed? What, what like, before we talk about amnesty, we'd have to be like, well, okay, hold on a second. What crimes are we talking about? It's almost like if a husband came into a wife and was like, I'm really gonna need your forgiveness. And then the wife would be like, okay. And she would expectantly wait for what would just be the next logical question, right? Maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe once you get real open to the world and to source, you're just like, I need your forgiveness. Well, then I grant it to you. And then you can just go about your day. I don't do that. I can't do that. I'm, I already, I, I've just invented a fantasy scenario in my head and I'm already immediately very curious about what is going to happen. And I'm, I'm and happily, I'm the only person in control of it because I invented it. But um, that's immediately where it took me. But again, I also want to be cautious knowing that I can enumerate the ways in which I have been harmed, which I think is important for every human being. But it's also important, I think, when endeavoring upon that process to at least take a little like one or two steps back from your own self in order to properly recognize where I, Brendan, have crimes or uh, ethical violations that I would need to apologize for and gain forgiveness. And I, I, I think that's something generally that brings us, you and I together here. Um, yeah. 
is the idea of seeking truth and and seeking accountability and i know i have i think we've both admitted our own failings in that um, yeah in other episodes i've talked about my own journey with apology and how hard that's been in some cases yeah probably still is um so you know in that way i do empathize with the the, the kind of general idea here that yeah it's hard it's it's I think it cuts down to really deep stuff around like belonging and yeah getting kicked out of the tribe and like oh god damn oh shit if I admit you know I did this then but you know the the irony and in this case maybe the tragedy there isn't you know sometimes yeah sometimes people don't really want apologies or there's there's the certainly the uh sure some might call weaponization of apology where you're, you just go around apologizing and you never change your behavior that's not <laughs> yeah yeah that's not that great either you know a kid might learn that and be like oh you mean all i have to do is say i'm sorry and then i could just keep doing this shit yeah yeah we i mean i have two young children and that's a constant we frame out how apology needs to function because it is it's like you you realize pretty much as soon as you teach your children about the concept of apology which i do think is a beautiful thing like i think it's something we should we should hold on to as a species uh very quickly i mean within within weeks you have to be like okay wait wait it's not about just saying words. It's not a rote performance. <laughs> Can't just say the words. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, what are you sorry for? Even honestly, even that disrupts. And I think that's that's the question. That disrupts immediately the the ability to kind of just like do it and move on. Let's move along. Let's move on. You know, which we see in our country, we're still tr- struggling with over <clears throat> like whatever racial enmity stretching back hun- hundreds of years. People are still like let's move on and we still haven't moved on from that so in many ways like this this didn't last the same amount of time and i don't know if it's the same as like how long a relationship is is how long the recovery after breakup should be you know that whole sort of uh, realm of thesis um that if this is only going to occur for these two to four years like will we only need eight years or something to recover from it or ultimately if we don't deal with it if we don't actually examine what the thing what the heck happened then or even why not do it constantly in the middle of it that's part i don't understand where it's like let's just wait to the end and look at look at it then you're like "Mm, how much harm would happen then that's like slavery let's just do slavery and then when there's no slavery then we can look back and see how cool slavery was you're like well hold on a second there (laughs) i don't think that makes a ton of sense um but yeah, it's so fun. It's fundamental. I always interpersonal relationships too. Um, but but yeah, on a society wide um, schema, it is. It can be cataclysmic. Yeah, and you're you're reminding me of some like bodies of work in in business. Uh, you know, in manufacturing in particular, there's something called continuous improvement. Mm. It's the idea that we're just going to be constantly evaluating where we yeah. are. And yeah. Seeing how we can improve and working on that and. Uh, agile is is a development in the software world mm. related to that. Um, and you know those are implemented with varying degrees of success. but yeah, i'm I'm with that. you know, can we so what so what gets in the way of that, you know, something we keep coming back to is sort of this justification of of panic. Uh, well, yeah. one when you're when you're talking about the amnesty definition, I, I I also keep being reminded of amnesty, like, Declaring amnesty almost is like a kind of sheepish admission of guilt because it's like, well, if you're asking for 
amnesty or forgiveness, then you must have done something. Um, so, so, there, so, so there is that yeah. there. There, so there's some some element of admitting that the, this the impact did not match the intent. We can maybe use that framework. Yeah. Um, and I and I probably hold the intent in a higher light than you do. <laughs> I'm sure you always. Well, to, yeah. To me, it's just I. I think I. And this is why I don't mind. We talked about this offline, but uh, I don't mind justifying the harm if people can't see it. Because I demand the same, because I was like, I, if people like yeah, crimes, what crimes? Show me the crimes. And I was like, well, okay, well, it's it's hilarious that you're then, and then, and the victim blaming happens very soon, right? Well, why didn't you just get vaccinated then? Oh, wow, that's what we're doing. You didn't, so why did you dress that way in that neighborhood? Okay, I see where we're at. Um, but the funny thing is, is like, here, here, I am, a, I am amongst the victims. There's a bunch of victims all over the place. I'm just a small, I'm, I was barely victimized, but I, I was adjacent to it and aware of it. And then people are immediately like, meh, proof. And I was like, okay, it kind of sucks if you're, if you're in the victim mode, right? If you're the oppressed to be, to then prove your oppression. But I'm down for it because I'm rigorous like that with other things. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't, if I can't see it, show me it. Now I'm going to live in a place where I want to be able to see it. You know, I want to be able to see the crimes. Um, but the this is the hard thing I think that's happening now where it's, it feels like for people who are like, oh, there's a lot of crimes we have to address here um, that people want to, yeah, rush through, rush through the process into cool, it's done now. You know, or the or the sense of well, we're all to blame. This is this is uh, this is something we all do. And again, we see this with slavery, right? When you talk about American slavery, and people are like, oh, okay, well, yes, but everyone was doing it. Like every every nation on the earth, every every people type has enslaved other people. And you're like, okay, yes, sure, yes. In that case, you can like sort of eventually prove that, even though is that relevant, right? So, for example, if everyone panicked and and let's say everyone did do blank, blank, and blank. Everyone did do that. Doesn't make it any less of a crime. It's like, well, it was like the purge. You know, we thought it was the purge. Okay. Well, th that just explains your motivation for why you did a terrible thing, but you still apologize for a terrible thing. You know, hopefully, I mean, even children, even, you know, young children, that's how we hopefully were raised and hopefully are teaching our own children. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I, you, oh, just briefly before I forget it, you brought up a cool thing about tribal, the sort of tribal things or belonging panic and belonging. And so I was like, I hadn't considered that. That's a good thing to frame in my brain empathically is confession of crime for some people, especially in as much as they identify as part of a group, if they confess crime individually and they hold either consciously or unconsciously that what they did was what the group said to do, then if they say it's a crime, they're, they're essentially accusing everyone in their tribe of crime of of uh, of ethical failure you know which might make it hard for a lot of people who are who hesitate to accuse um others you know hopefully hopefully everyone's ready and willing to admit fault wherever it can be demonstrated at all times um but it would be a different it's a different impetus it's a different weight to be like we and by we i mean I don't know, prog progressive academics in the greater Boston area, <laughs> you know, or whatever. I don't know. I can't remember where Emily. There Austin are no is. progressive academics in the greater Boston area. Yeah. <laughs> so like, whatever, you know, whatever you, you consider your, whatever your tribe is or whatever. Um, 
but I wanted to look at like what, like amnesty for what, like what, what, like what are the things that harmed us in this, in this time, you know, I mean, for me, it's hilariously, it's individual, it's actually probably most harmful on an individual level, um, meaning maybe perhaps in panic or at what I would say in induced panic um, that people retreated to tribalism. And I think we have a lot of, I think that's where, I don't want to say this at first, even though it's maybe in some ways the smallest, but it's the failings of individual people that is the most harmful and the most criminal and where the most amnesty needs to be uh, sort of potentially offered after conviction. Because I love amnesty. Let me just say that out loud. I like, I love the idea of forgiving people who have been convicted and apologize. I mean, that is the entire, in many ways, that's the Christian, the entire Christ framework, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't skip any of those steps. You can't just be like, well, you're already forgiven. Forgiven for what? <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, on the individual level, I think that's honestly where the biggest amnesty needs to come in is where people, and maybe this is also for me personally, of like uh, being shut out of a lot of relationships or conversations and, like people dealing with people in a way that has never been appropriate, at least in my entire 44 years on the planet of like, mm, I don't like what you're saying, blocked. Mm, I don't like what you're saying. We're not friends anymore. Mm, I don't like what you're saying and how you're saying it. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like what, 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 what world do we live in? Where it's just like, and we talked about this in the freedom of speech episode too, but I was like, we've fundamentally tossed off, not only like a tent pole of the American experiment, but I think an experiment of, all sort of democratic arrangement, or I would even say any sort of like holistic, like human tribe uh, sort of ethos, you know, which would say, again, diversity is our strength, right? Diversity of opinion, more importantly than anything else, is is our strength as a species, you know, diversity of thought. Yeah. And that and I know we've talked about this, that that seems potentially justified, that that individual portcullis. Yeah. Dropping, uh, it seems to have been justified in the sense of protecting the greater tribe. Yeah. Like, you, you, you are a threat, you know? Yeah, yeah. Identifying you as the virus. Um, yeah. Whereas I was, uh, I was trying to think of the right term. I'm, I sort of think of you as, um, I don't know, more like the canary in the coal mine or the whistleblower. Or I think there's some other term that's like, mm. you know, the, you know, the one ringing the bell, being like, wait, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. In biblical speech, it's uh, I think the the voice in the wilderness, mm. crying, crying out, and. You know, in addition to our friendship, that that's what struck me. It was like, hmm, like what's going on here? There's something else. And yeah, I don't like. It's funny when when you first said individual, I was, I didn't know if you were talking about that kind, like just between yeah. friends and canceling each other, but also the individuals who had a ton of power to make decisions and influence. Sure. Which maybe that steps out of the individual realm because then we're talking really about like kind of their mass influence. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're talking about like the the one to one, the individual to individual, the interpersonal, um, and that that is tragic. And I'm starting to see some signs of that as I'm getting a little more bold and going out and 
I mean, let's, I'm all I'm doing is like sharing some Instagram stories. I'm not like, <laughs> writing, like you know, these views. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just getting, I'm starting to just, just get tastes of, I think, what you've been in the muck of for a couple of years now or so. Um, yeah, and that's helpful for me, actually, that A, it helped me feel seen when you were like, oh, and we talked about things. Then you were like, oh, I talked to someone about that, too. And I was like, oh, cool. How'd it go? And you're like, oh, not great. Um, is, <laughs> a, it's a good validation that, like, when I see it happen to other people, and I've seen this, too, in terms of even just friends and strangers or whatever throughout the past couple of years, but when when it happens to other people in other scenarios and all different layers of intimacy of like pre-established intimacy, like best friends, uh, you know, acquaintances, like accountability groups, strangers, whatever. Um, and it happens to all different kinds of people that helped me feel less like I was the harm. You know what I mean? Because I was certainly accused of such a, that was helpful in terms of like, okay, I'm essentially, Oh, I'm not crazy. This people are super weird. <laughs> people are being weird, you know, and inappropriate. Um, and then uh, secondly, it, it was helpful too in that, like, because it happened to you, I was like, I, I mean, <laughs> which is not that I desire for you to be victimized in any way, shape or form in your life, but it made me feel less alone in that. Uh, and hopefully I was like, oh, it gave me stronger empathy for you that you were like, you hadn't experienced that sort of like weird, like social disruption element uh in terms of like communication um and it helped me understand just as we talked about like fear like having people around you who are afraid of covid and i had no one around me really was afraid of covid the entire yet at all and then uh and likewise i was like oh so you probably had an entire different experience from like 2020 to 2022 in that realm um simply because that wasn't part of your dialogue you know where I was like, I'm when this amnesty stuff comes up, I'm way more activated because I'm like, well, wait a second. What do you mean just amnesty? No one said like people have been, and this is just, I'm gonna take it down all the way to personal. People have treated me like hilariously poorly for two years, just for saying things, evidence-based, re reason-based things. But I realized I had that experience because of the canary in the coal mine effect or whatever. The fact that I was like, I'm not a compliant person generally, and I'm a, and I'm a uh, I'm a talkative person. So I've been asking why and questioning it and trying to dig in and trying to get people to like engage on it for always. I mean, since March 2020 or whatever. So then I did have an entirely different experience than you, and knowing how different our experiences were uh, also helps me go. Oh, okay, this helps me understand why why I don't always need to respond so with such incredulity when people express a confusion as to like pandemic amnesty and how I'm like, heck no. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm sure someone did some wrong things, but like what, what harm, you know, again, people just saying, well, what do you mean? What harm happened? And part of me wants to go, what, what, what are you talking about? Like it's, it's been two years of like nonstop. I mean, my list here of, of things that need amnesty for is long, you know, but I was like, anyway being able to like talk through your experience and this is why we should have been talking everyone should have been talking to everyone from the beginning um so we could understand oh wow you're having a completely different experience here and and why you know and why and so to me it's like at, le at least two big categories of, of fear as i see it you know one is from wherever many multiple places it came from the fear that that 
and this gosh we, we we keep turning this one over like why why did we choose to trust who we chose to trust in terms of the government and actually i was just talking to the friend about this about amnesty and who had, had not even heard that term and it was, it was just yeah and, and you know and i was i was trying to think back to some of the some of those early reports like because i think you have gone back i think there were you know you were asking the questions back then but part of yep. what part of what's up here part of the the argument seems to be we didn't know and yeah and i was like well we there we did there, so there's no this yeah. there, were, there were some things i think we did know yeah and there were a lot of things we didn't know yeah yeah and kind of you and i think align that um in the event that we don't know that that that's more reason not to take certain actions that harm people yeah like we really there's certain things like well and, and you're you've got your whole list but there's certain kinds of harm that you know we really must be quite certain about if we're gonna yeah activate that yes you know, in in the vein of serving some greater good I mean that's yeah. that all seems to revolve around is like well this yes. yeah you know you got to break some eggs to make an omelet kind of deal <laughs> sure but, which which listen it's not inaccurate you know what I mean listen this this is the justification for war generally you're like well we have to we have to do harm in order to stop this continual harm this particular group of people is causing or whatever right like we got we we got to go kill the Nazis because they're killing everybody they're killing all the Jews like. We have yeah. to go get them. You're like, okay, well, I mean, it kind of makes sense. This is going to be horrible. People are going to die. We're going to be killing people, like human beings. We're but at the same people. time, you're you're like, oh, I, I, I PTSD and yeah, this. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is going to down. This is going to affect us forever. But we will, in most of the cases, we will willingly take on this this self harm in in some ways, you know. And I think, yeah, that's the wild thing is it's the imposition of a singular or whatever, semi-singular, uh, tribalistically singular uh, interpretation of what was the what was the greatest good. And I think now, I mean, this is when people say amnesty, part of me wants to jump on it like a dog, dog on a bone with a little bit of meat on it, maybe even some fat uh, and be like, okay, see, this is, this is people just saying we, like we were wrong, except they're not saying we were wrong. Cause I guess then there's maybe there's legal cul culpability or whatever. Well, and yeah. That, yeah. And this friend went back to say like, well, well, you know, what was the CDC and the and the World Health Organization saying back then? Yeah. That's like, is that who we're trusting? I mean, is that maybe who we trusted back then? I don't know. Maybe there was yeah. a more argument for that. That's certainly not who I think that's one thing we 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 all agree on. <laughs> yeah. The CDC, it's like, oh, it's it's just a mess right now, which it was just extremely unfortunate. I think you and I are both quite sad about that. We we wish our government had a functional like. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, that probably the, I was always. I mean, I've never been that like excited about what the government's up to, but like you always want them to be better, right? Just like yourself. Um, I yeah, the thing that really hurt me like that was the uh, like kind of news media, like realizing how news media didn't care about the truth really. They were they were very similar. They were just like regurgitate press releases essentially they're like well what does the cdc say what does the who say and i was like wait a second like i thought we were science people like i thought this is a i mean to me like a pandemic a viral pandemic comes along i'm i'm and again i'm i'm a, i'm a christian so like this is, science is not my be all and end all but i was like well i'm i'm raising my hand for going this is a job for science <laughs> you know and instead people are like well what do the experts say 
And again, as I've talked about on the show many, many times, expert opinion, the WHO's opinion or the CDC's opinion is the least relevant thing we should be talking about. So to me, I was just like, well, wait a second. People like ran in a panic and then went and did the least relevant scientific thing. I was like, what is happening? You know what I mean? That that was so, so to me, it's like, well, what did we know? And then you're like, well, and this is the crazy thing. This is what happens immediately. People go, well, well, what did we know? And then they immediately go, well, and they point away from themselves. What did they know? Mm. It's like, oh, that's fascinating, right? And listen, I'm, and I say that out loud being like, I, I've certainly done that. My kids do it often. If you accuse my eldest daughter of doing something wrong that she has done, even if she knows it, she will say, yeah, but, and she will point the finger and to be like, but Moses does this and you didn't say anything the time that she, but you know what I mean? The fingers immediately start pointing in every direction whenever we feel convicted at all. And I've done it. Yeah, I'm raising, you're raising your hand. I'm raising my hand. I absolutely have done uh, that. I have five fingers. They can point in every direction. Yes, exactly. Right. Every direction, but me. Oh no. Um, so I think, I mean, in some ways, even the system of examining it, I think is very revelatory. And I'm hopeful we can all learn from this. Again, I don't mean all this is like just stunning castigation of what a bunch of grossies we are. We're that too. But I, you know, my whole hope, even in examining this is like, oh yeah, well, how do we heal? And how do, how would we get to a place of actual like forgiveness? Um, well, for for others, or even then, and then forgiving in forgiving others. I'm not I'm not really that much. People are into like forgiving themselves. I'm not really I don't really necessarily believe in that. But um, in forgiving others for the for the things that we do <laughs> as well, um, I think there's great healing. There's great mutual healing in that process. Yeah, and that very much harkens to you know restorative frameworks and things that I'm. Yeah. Yeah quite fond of and study and I think are can be very effective if if taken seriously and if executed well they can also actually cause more harm if not and that maybe that's sure. yeah. right now is this this whole question around amnesty has the potential to create even more harm and and separation um and and I think two things I want to mention so one is um it's it's interesting like I think my for myself I don't think I knew much about the CDC or the WHO and oh my I, gosh, who, what normal person does? And I probably imagined that they were either either actually made up of scientists or yeah. they were referencing good science and good scientific information. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so that may be something you can comment on. But to, to kind of wrap up the thing around, I was saying two pieces of fear. I mean, one, I think the, the most dominant form of fear was just like, this just, it just feels like this, like <laughs> death grip. Uh, on the idea that this is the only answer this must be the answer this is the way to keep us safe and if you are yeah. poking any holes in that you you are the threat you are the problem yeah it's, the other it's, side it's, of that fear probably even a deeper fear is i don't want to face the complexity that that i could be wrong because then everything yeah. unravels everything unravels from there yeah yeah well and i think that's and that is an advantage. And I think that's why, whatever, people label it like team reality is sort of how people have sort of termed themselves in the past two years of people being like, here's what's really happening. Stop listening to just what people say about things. Um, here's the data. Here's the evidence. Here's the here's what's hap actually happening. Here's what we had beforehand, you know, that sort of thing. Anyway, the, the team, um, <laughs> the sort of uh, team reality folks have, oh, I totally lost my thought. This is what happens when I sidetrack in the middle of my sentence. Wait, what was what was the last thing that you said? 
I was talking about the fear and everything unraveling. Oh, unraveling. Yeah, yeah. So then if people don't have the pattern of self-examination and assuming I make mistakes a lot, I think that made this whole time period and makes this process of healing phenomenally difficult. Because I do think there is, and this, you know, I'm not, this is, this is adjacent to, but I'm not launching into the whole generation snowflake or whatever, but it is adjacent to that. Meaning I think we do have generations of people who are like, I don't do anything wrong. Like nothing I do really is, is what you would term wrong. But when you can actually demonstrate that people have done something that is harmful or false, then people are like, well, wait a second. That's a lot like wrong. And then I, I honestly think we have a fantastically huge amount of the population that has no experience in really reckoning with that, you know, and this, but even all the way from childhood, like I've, I watched, um, uh, my little brother was kind of raised that way. I remember talking to him one time when he was like 12 or 14 or 15 or something like that. And I was like, we were kind of talking through kind of problems he was having or sort of things, just dis, dis, a disjointed or disconnected feeling with his existence. And, uh, and I was like, well, okay, well, what about you? Like, what things have you done wrong? And he looked at me like confused. And then I was like, well, like, what about generally? Like, what are the things you tend to do that are like wrong? Like, what, what are your, what are your sort of, I didn't use sin, but like, essentially, like, what are your sinful tendencies? You're like, do you tend to be selfish? Do you tend to be myopic? Do you tend to be obsessed? Like, you know, whatever. And he looked at me with like such a ferocious blankness that I was like, I don't know what to do here. I was like, he's never even considered he's like 15 or whatever. He's never really considered that concept that anything he does would like be turned wrong. There's just like the things that he does. And, and I was like, all the oh. wrong things other people do. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. That would, I would assume almost everybody would be, be able to come up with that list. And in many ways, I think whatever your list is for other people, I know this certainly for myself, the list I come up with of wrong things, other people doing, I was like, nah. most of them, not all, but I'd say 60 to I'm, I'm, I'm at the point. And I feel like this is, this is me, a healthy me <laughs> that like 60% of the things I find problematic with other people are my problems. And I've reduced that from at some point it was way closer to 90, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah, but yeah, but if you don't have that practice, oh, and it's why I think a lot of team reality people tended to be like, like religious people, like uh, new age folks or um, whatever Christians or whoever Catholics or whatever. Like there was a dominant, uh, a dominant percentage of people that I was seeing sort of deal with at least online um, of being like pushing back against the narrative or holding the rallies or um, uh, were there was a, there was a heavy dose of people who I think patterning like even if they wouldn't call it like a new age person might not call it wrong but like releasing attachments that trigger them on this that and the other you know what I mean people were patterned into kind of like regularly doing this engaging in the process of like where where have I fallen short or we have where have we fallen short as a species and so I've tried to have empathy for people who I was like well some people just don't even know again like my brother looking at me there was like they might even even know really what I'm talking about you know even the concept of crime or wrong or like I made the wrong decision. I made a bad decision. You know, people would just be like, I don't, I don't really know what language you're speaking. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's actually a really helpful way to, to characterize the intersection of, I don't know, let's just call it like self-awareness and, and social justice. Sure. Yeah. To, to use some simple terms, like, cause I went very deep in self-awareness, which we could also call consciousness and transformation and all kinds of things um 
and and I then I expressed on the show that I then became quite disappointed how little of that I saw in social justice uh, areas. Some, yeah, some do, some don't. Yes, but it's it's very hard to do both the inner and outer work. It is, and I C- think I'm, certainly concurrently. I made some wildly false assumption that it's just like, well, you know, people who are really serious about social justice are going to be doing that inner work, and it's just not there all the time, and. And I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm not perfect in it either by any stretch. Yeah. But, but that's funny because I often kind of do diminish myself there. And I think that's been a weird a, kind of a, a approach to the social justice world from a place of deficiency. Oh, um, interesting. And, and yeah. Humility is good, right? Sure. Uh, always, I think. Um, but deficiency is not, particularly when I have actually spent quite a bit of time <laughs> developing certain, certain awareness of myself and and just how to the, even the process for doing that which i think could be applicable here yeah so i know we didn't get very far last time so you you have a list um, yeah i wanted to talk to things of like yeah this question of amnesty and then again we can also tie this in attendant to how we maybe manifested these things um yeah so to me the first thing of like the first amnesty when she said that i was like oh they mean uh what i call like institutional me too uh, so like vaccine mandates, mask mandates, uh, essentially the reason I call that an institutional hashtag me too, is the premise of both of those things were quote, do this or else you'll never work in this town again. And I say that literally, especially as an actor, literally like SAG is just, my union is just starting to wrangle with this now of like, there have been people, um, now I moved out of LA. So my auditions dried up for my own purpose this is not about my victimization but there are many people who have been deprived the opportunity to work because of vaccine mandates on set disney just let go of theirs like a a month or so ago so for well over a year like actors weren't allowed to work unless they let someone stick something in their body and yes i know i'm gilding the lily to make it very me too-ish but it is either let me put this on your mouth Open, open your mouth. Now close it. Now shut it. Now put this thing on it. Put on this bondage gear, or uh, let me stab this thing in you. Let me, let me prick you. Hmm? Let me give you this prick. There you go. That's it. That's that's the me too part. Let me give you this prick. So yeah, that was. Uh, it's it's hashtag me too, right? And so to me, I was again. This is the thing of like, wait a second. I thought we don't like this, you know. And so that's one of the. That's immediately what I thought. It's like something that needs to be a conviction or apology for. And then we do have to, though, get to a place of forgiveness or else we're stuck in really just the people who are left out of employment, who have been banned by people doing terrible things. We, like those who have been victimized cannot let that victimization define them. You know, like some people put cancer survivor, rape survivor in their bio and stuff. And hey, if you have to do that for a season, awesome, do it. Don't do it forever. Don't, please don't. Don't, because it's not all you are. It's great that you did that. It's great that you got through that. It's great that you survived this terrible imposition against you. But it can't, it is. it won't behoove you long-term to live in the place of like, yeah, but what they did to me and I'm never going to forget it. I mean, in some ways that's, because I feel like the, these sorts of harms of just like lack of employment, loss of friends, these are these are harms, you know? They're not lynching. They're not evisceration, but they're, you know, but we also are a delicate society, I think, uh, quite prone to anxiety, quite prone to depression. Um, and we, I just saw like 30% of people or something like that are on ADHD medicine. I mean, something like, something like insane. I was like, wait, what? They're, I was like, what? 
happening. And that's just prescription. Um, so, but anyway, so it was like, we are a little messy, but I was like, in some ways there is a moment there to slide into it, this with what I'm talking about here, not obviously rape or cancer, but um, to slide into P PTSD, to kind of like almost choose it a little bit. There's a, there's a little bit of an element of autonomy in there. And I don't, I, I wouldn't want people to um, swing into that. But I think that's that's just something that violates an ethical principle, especially in the case of SAG is a great example of um, it violates a principle that we hold dear, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I keep coming. I keep going back. I think it's in the same category to the uh, to the case in New York. Mm. I think it was it 1100 folks who were fired a couple of years ago yeah um for not being vaccinated and well no the vaccine didn't exist back then was it for not being vaccinated yeah yeah so early 20 so a little about a year and a half probably at this point year and a half okay yeah it was okay so early 20 early mid 2021 um and then the supreme court of new york just ruled that 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 was officially not right, and <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I think told the state to get there. Was it the city or the state? I think it was statewide. Okay, um, <laughs> I could I could be wrong. Should, I should double check this one before I start quoting it. But in any case, uh, that one stood out uh, as more like I don't know, more official in a way. And you know, and of course, yeah. you could pick that apart and be like, oh yeah, but that Supreme Court is conservative. I don't know, whatever. But right, and that that's why. And every, again, we get back to the everything unraveling standpoint. So I'm like, okay, well, for now, a Supreme Court, you know, <laughs> yeah, declared yeah. that this was was wrong. And one thing that always comes up to me as a question is, you know, what's changed? Mm -hmm. Like you said, Disney's letting up on these rules. I like my dad's in assisted living. You know, they they no longer require masks. I'm like, have things gotten better? Yeah, I mean, people have stopped imposing to this quite the same degree. There are universities across the nation that are that have vaccine mandates. Um, actually, Northwestern just called me for money the other day, and uh, as they do. And then in, while I was asking, I was like, well, let me ask you a few questions. I was like, do they have a vaccine requirement at Northwestern? And the person calling me to ask me for money said no. And then I looked it up online, and they do. For in, maybe he was like loopholing because it's like if you're not in person, you don't have to be. But I was like, they have a, you have to be you have to be vaccinated to be like be there on campus as a student or staff. Um, so that would be an example uh, of like still continuing. Uh, articles are being written on a weekly basis of like bringing mask mandates back. They're talking about it in LA that they would bring it back if the cases got to a certain level. Um, people are advocating for return of these things, and then vaccine mandates still exist all over the place. Like vaccine requirements are still at every type, every level of, of business that you, and this is why, again, when you say an amnesty, you're like, we're in the middle of it. <laughs> you're like, let's have a slavery amnesty. And you're like, six states still have slaves. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Let's get, let's, let's actually get rid of all the things that we know you're going to be asking for amnesty for before we can even get, get to that, you know, cart before the horse thing. And I think this is the what needs to be apologized for if the institutional Me Too 
So vaccine mandates, mask mandates are all do this or else you'll never work in this town again. They're coercion to override bodily autonomy. There's power pleasure for those imposing, almost certainly. And there's no tenable rational reason for the imposition. And there's a culture of silence as to complaint, which is very similar to me too, seen as a bad person, essentially, if you raise the issue. It's like, why are you trying to rock the boat? Like Miramax is a great company. Like we are, you know, we're an industry leader in independent film. Like just Harvey has his problems, but we're not, let's just do amnesty. You know, let's just have an amnesty. It's like, we well, hasn't even been convicted yet. Like I didn't even get to tell, like he didn't even admit he, he raped me, you know, or whatever. So like, uh, yeah, that though the mandates, I think in some ways are the biggest thing. And in some ways they're also the biggest thing because they're the least recognized. Like people just won't cop to those, even though everything I just said certainly is an angle, a point of view on it, but they're all accurate. They're all, that's all real. And that's something we also don't like in the Me Too sense. So it's very weird to me that all of a sudden we, we have very interchangeable ideas about uh, bodily autonomy as it relates to sort of individual sovereignty or harm or, or what's good for the company or good for the, you know, whatever, good for the tribe. But I think that's a, that's, that's a huge one because it's still ongoing. And it's also, I think it's the ones I bring up too. And people give me a blank look or basically say, uh, you're a delusional a-hole. <laughs> well, I, I was at a meeting yesterday that, that had a vaccine requirement, although quite hilariously, I was so confused about how to get in the building. I ended up going in the back entrance and having somebody let me through all these security protocols. Yeah. Without ever showing it. And like, yeah. All right, well, they're not taking it that seriously. Yeah, yeah. Well, but that's even, I mean, you know, of course to me, I was like, that's even worse, right? Because then you like have a policy and that keeps happening to me at doctor's offices. I've been to a bunch of doctor's offices that have signs outside that say uh, like mask required and then nobody makes you put a mask on. And I was like, maybe it's just about laziness and pulling a sign down or it's, that's our official policy. We're going to say out loud that we're doing that, but then we're not actually doing it. In which case I was like, so wait, so you know, you're a hypocrite. Because you don't really, so then, because if it was something you, if you were a true believer, I mean, again, this is like people who wear masks now outside still, you're like, well, heck, I mean, I, I don't respect it, but I'm like, I understand it. I was like, oh, you're a true believer. You're like, that's what is up. And so if you're going to, I mean, again, it's, I, but this is my bias. And I don't know if you have the same bias. I tend to hold the people in ignorance more culpable than those who are true believers. Like, let's say, for example, just let's let's break Godwin's rule or fulfill Godwin's rule and talk about Nazis. Uh, the people who are like hardcore, brown shirt, Heil Hitler, and meant it to the core of their being, I'm less mad at them, which is weird, than people who are just like, well, I don't want any harm to come to me and my family. I'm just following orders. Those people, I was like, dude, you have no excuse. You're not, you're not even like volitionally, you're doing the same terrible things, but you don't even have a belief system to support it. Like, and I know many people who think opposite, you know what I mean? They're like, no, the, the, those with the vile belief system would be the reprehensible ones. But I do have a tendency to be like, yeah, to castigate the, the follower more than I even castigate the leader. So I looked up the New York article and Let's see. It says, um, based upon the petitioner's vague denials of their exemptions, the fact that they were kept at full duty for several months while their exemptions were pending, 
the mayor's executive order granting exemptions to certain classes of people and the lifting of the private sector mandate, this court finds the commissioner's order of October 20th, 2021 and December 13th, 2021, as well as the mayor's executive order number 62 to be arbitrary and capricious. Mm. Uh, and then later on, later it goes on to say, or unconstitutional. Mm. This, uh, again, is about the um, New York Supreme Court, uh, a lawsuit filed against the city of New York, uh, the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, the New York Department of Sanitation, Commissioner of the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, David Chakshi, and New York City Mayor Eric uh, Adams. Um, and then they ordered that this, the New York Supreme Court ruled that the New York City must reinstate all employees that were fired because of their vaccination status and back pay must be issued. Mm. And this was about a month, I don't know, a month and a half ago. This was October 25th, 2022. So uh, I guess about a year later. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating. I think we talked about this one of the first episodes that we recorded I thought this whole, I was like, oh yeah, we're kind of heading into now with the, like the recompense and apology and healing phase. And I'm hoping, hopeful that this will heal. And I was wrong slash right, but I was off by like almost a year, like eight to 10 months before this is actually starting to happen. Um, now, yes, everything, big things move slowly, but it is sort of astonishing that almost a year after this should have been taking place, <laughs> that we are kind of just starting it, right? Like those people were just reinstituted in the past month or so. Um, and this amnesty proposition was made in the last month. The new uh, premier of uh, Alberta said, you know, the unvaccinated were the most discriminated against group that she had ever witnessed. Um, so like this is all happening again, about a year, about a year late. And I think some of that is just like things move slow, but also we, things don't move that slow because things move real fast in terms of it took less than a year to start like mass segregations. It took like less than a month, I think, for the first vaccine like requirements to go into place. Like I think by the vaccines were released, I think by February or March in January. And then by February or March, there were, were already like strictures in place. So I was like, mm, you could move real fast when you want to. But I think it's an ideological difficulty or some of the cognitive dissonance stuff we've been talking about um so that's starting to happen so that's good but still there's been no they they sort of made restitution but there's no apology which is really hard i mean to me i think that's in some ways maybe even more important than amnesty because amnesty is sort of like will you forgive us for what we have actually done wrong and then the whole article of course didn't really present that that was what had happened but so now here at least with that restitution you've got sort of restitution made for the wrong that has been they've been convicted of um but there's no apology in which case to me the, the yes it's great to have the restitution it's great to have like activity on that front i do like that but to me the most important part is less the reparation and more of the like apology and healing and forgiveness and i know that's a little like Touchy feely, <laughs> woo woo. You know, I'm not into that touchy. touchy yeah, yeah. I know we. we I, well, I know you'd be into it, but like I was like, but that's where the real healing comes from. You know what I mean? That's why I have to talk about these things super frankly. That's why you can't rush past the like, 
the victim, the people who have victimized can't be like, let's declare an amnesty. It's like literally like getting yourself out of jail. It's like, no, you've, you've got to apologize. And, and anybody who was wronged, that whole group has to be ready. This is the their burden. They have to be ready to forgive. They have to like, I, and I think people, again, I was like, people should be doing that pre-work back in January. And I was like, okay, maybe January, 2023, get that work going. So you're ready to forgive when someone says they're sorry, you know? Well, yeah, and that, that, well, two things. One, even between, even when we were taking our break in this recording of this episode, you found a study from, from nature that, that yeah. quite yeah. pertinent. Yeah. yeah, wildly, wildly germane to our conversation, which was kind of amazing. It was just published uh, on December 8th, uh, 2022. It is a, uh, it's being published in nature. It's in the accelerated article preview stage. It's kind of like a, a preprint, um, but but by nature, as opposed to a, it's hoping to be accepted. It's already accepted. Um, it's called discriminatory attitudes against the unvaccinated during a global pandemic. And I think the most, uh, just to, to grab something from the sort of major results page, which I know is a little bit poo-pooed in um, study circles, but um, for simplicity's sake, across three conjoint experimental studies, we demonstrate that vaccinated people express discriminatory attitudes towards the unvaccinated, as high as the discriminatory attitudes suffered by common targets like immigrant and minority populations. This is a global, this is a global study, multiple countries uh, around the world. Um, and then one of the notes that I had uh, highlighted as well was that the, uh, the antipathy sort of measurement was uh, twice as high as the sort of baseline antipathy against quote, Middle East immigrants, uh, which is like a, which is generally like one of the most um, hated populations essentially globally, um, which even I was saying to you, even when I was reading it, it made me feel like a bad person. <laughs> but was, we got to say these things out loud, right? We got to like figure out like, this is what statistics are for. But I was like, I don't, I, like as I was reading it, some part of me was already kind of woking it and being like, yeah, but, but I don't, not that I would agree with this assessment that these people should be hated or even that I would encourage, like you know, sometimes you don't even want to talk about those things like who's hated the most because you're like, it feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy because then people would be like, well, if that's the most hated group, then the fact that I hate them really isn't that weird. And then, you know, I don't know, but I wasn't even reading it to anyone. I was just reading it to myself. But anyway, just to say all that with all the exceptions in my brain, uh, I've, I've read a number of studies in this vein and and that is a frequently cited, like that's like a peak or, or sort of a, a baseline uh, of high antipathy um, in, in the global context. Um, and so the unvaccinated were twice as hated as the typically most hated group. And I was like, it was wild to see a, a kind of a number put on it. You know what I mean? I, th I think I've seen that, um, uh, but I hadn't, I hadn't seen it uh, laid out um, in, in, in stark numbers, you know, something that feels more objective than the sort of subjective sensation or the, even the collation of objective uh, reactions or, or verbiage or whatever, and then making an assessment. I was like, oh, this is like a comprehensive assessment showing how bad it got. And that's a big, I just got to say, that's a big deal because that was created. That's a freshly created category by which people are now hating people like Middle Eastern immigrants as a problem is, as a quote unquote problem to people who find it a problem, um, is, I mean, that's I mean, more than decades old. I mean, that, that could, that could literally be, that could be like, you know, that's, that's eons. It might be an eon old, ultimately, in terms of, of, of the, the complexities, in the very least, since the sort of 
founding of of Islam, one one could suggest that that you know that religious schism, you know, provided sort of enmity that led led to this moment. Because um, I'm assuming that Middle East immigrant is is not dog whistling, but it's holding a, a few elements uh, in, in place. So then that this quickly, this this type of prejudice could become so popular. Um, I was like, that's a big thing to be declared, to have to amnesty just declared over. Hey, so sorry, we villainized, you know, a massive chunk of the population to such a significant degree around the world. You know what I mean? That's, I mean, that's pretty amazing. That's but you big. slipped. Yeah. Because I don't think they're saying, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> yes, no, 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 they haven't yet. But I mean, in order for actual amnesty to occur, there's going to have to be, or, or the healing of amnesty. Someone's going to have to say, sorry. That's what we want, but yeah, that's yeah. not necessarily being said. I, I wanted to like point that out, not to like, yes, yes. be wrong, but like, that's the problem, right? Is that yes. We're just yeah. saying that there's not necessarily an apology attached to it. No, which I would think is actually in some ways the most fundamental part. I mean, let's, I mean, to me, let's, let's not worry about an amnesty. Let's set up a systematic means of, of apology, you know, and it's happened a little bit. Some people are like, oh, I'm just so encouraged seeing this more and more. And I was like, I've seen three examples of it in the past year of like seeing people share DMs uh, or texts even from their relatives um, who had said, I'm sorry. And I've seen it online for a couple of like doctors or whatever. People have been like, hey, I did this in the past year or so. I've been saying this and this and this and I I was wrong and I'm sorry for anyone who's hurt by that. You know, just just public apologies in that sort of sense. There's like that cafe in Australia or something that had the Yeah, little... yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually shared. Yeah. And then I got blowback from that. Yes. Like, yeah. What? They're just they're just apologizing. <laughs> they're just apologizing. I know that's a wild thing too. But, but then this is the conviction of like what I really think is the case. And this is where why we're not really ready for apology or amnesty yet, is people think that this hatred is justified, essentially. Right. People people think this is like hating whatever to groomers right <laughs> or whatever this is like a this is like a behavior based this is a malevolence based like we're malevolent against you because you're so malevolent um, yeah you you your choice not to get vaccinated among other things but we'll stick to vaccination yeah was directly harmful to society and the population at large and put the rest of us in danger ergo the hatred against you is justified. Seems yeah, to, that seems, to, yeah, that seems to be the thesis. Um, I've just never met anybody who has any reason to think that is, is the wild thing to me. Like, I've, and I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people and I don't, I've never met anybody who had a reason to think that, but that seems like a popular thought, which I, again, I just think that is endlessly fascinating to me. That's well, like, a, part, like a reason to believe they were dangerous. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The unvaccinated were dangerous. Yeah, the people didn't have. I mean, not not a reason that would stand up to any scrutiny. Like no tenable reason, meaning no reason that like was beyond. Well, I've heard or yeah, but this says this. And I've again, I've had I've had debates and arguments with people on this exact thing, and I can't tell you how many times. Well, I can tell you. I'll tell you right now. I'd say about three dozen times I've been in extended conversations with people, and they just start sharing like uh, studies and stuff. And none of the studies support their argument. They're just studies on like vaccine efficacy, right? And I'm like, well, that's not, that, but that, that's a completely, that's a separate conversation. You know what I mean? Whether something works is not, doesn't mean that that's the only thing that works. You know what I mean? It's a, so, the, so they have reason and that they're like, well, because vaccines are real good. 
And you're like, well, but what are they real good for? They're good for the things that I agree and you agree. And then people are like, no, no. And I was like, no, we agree on this. Like, I agree that the vaccines are efficacious in limiting COVID hospitalization and probably and pretty consistently death. That's not what the RCT said. They said they had no death effect, but it was like COVID related death seems pretty consistent since then. But that's again, it's still up to 27 times crummier than natural immunity. And that would be an unvaccinated person. So the, these aren't real categories. This whole vaccinated and unvaccinated is just a, it's an invention. But I'm so, I'm so I'm fascinated. I mean, so in some ways that's maybe after the actual like institutional Me Too stuff is the invention of, again, an invention of an other and managed to sell it so hard, so fast. I mean, I think people will be writing books about this time period. Uh, social scientists will be writing, like this is not the first of many studies of enmity against the unvaccinated, but people are going to be writing studies about this for the next, whatever, two or three generations. It's really interesting. Yeah. And I, I find that what I notice, and, and I, I've done this a few times is, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if there were any, if there were any justification here, it yeah. would be around transmission. It, it, it would say, it would be, okay, if there was actually a silver bullet, there, there's some way to reduce transmission and, and significantly. Yeah. I don't mean just like, oh, it's a little bit less, but I mean yeah, like, yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah. These people can't come to work because they are like, I don't know, 10 times likely, more likely to transmit this deadly virus. Yeah. Baked in there are a lot of assumptions about, you know, A, how deadly it is, B. Yes. How so trans yeah, and how transmissible it is too, yeah. Right. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that's really the only category where where we pretend, and I'm not, I mean, we talk about this a lot, so we maybe can get back to amnesty, but, but the thing is, I noticed my, I've done this before, and I'll sort of slip off into like COVID deaths or, or reducing yeah. death, whatever. Yeah. And I, I noticed that too, like there's this very slippery thing where even just staying in that category isn't right, because that's actually something most people agree on is that the vaccine doesn't reduce transmission. Yeah, and, yeah. And secondarily, we sort of slip into these other categories where it's like, I mean, I mean, maybe reducing hospitalization because you could argue that's a public benefit. Yeah, but reducing death is like, uh, there's ah, there's all this stuff that's legal and acceptable, and we're not we're allowing people to to do in their private lives <laughs> that cost death. You know? Yeah, that are way <laughs> and that are way less harmful to the people than the vaccine. Like the VSafe, uh, you know, finally released their data, and it was seven point seven percent of vaccinated people in the VSafe database, which is a CDC database that was recently information was recently released. It was just this is part of congressional public testimony. I'm not speaking out of school. Um, that seven point seven percent of people who were vaccinated with the mRNA vaccines uh, had to be like had to receive like intense medical treatment. Um, so hospitalization sort of level. So whereas, for example, like high BMI, let's say, uh, can be remediated by like eating less crappy food and exercising, right? The harms of which eating less crappy food and, and exercising are significant. It's not even worth comparing. You know what I mean? The harms of like an injectable. You have a seven, let's say, a seven point seven percent risk of, of of ending up at the doctor because of. Um, then you're like, well, well, this is. You can just immediately see it's a crazy thing. It's almost it's almost crazy to even compare or talk about, right? Unless you're going to start talking about everything, like things that are way less harmful, way more important. Um, and I think since the original like RCTs didn't never showed 
reduction of hospitalization and death overall. We had no, there was never any cause to be like, well, if everyone gets vaccinated, we'll have way less people in the hospital. We had no evidence to say that. It was, no, you're like, no, that'll, if way less people will be in hospital for COVID, but the same amount of people will be in the hospital, just according to the data, like the best data we have. So that was the weirdest thing. It was like all, all those like, and this is even for people who've actually just thought about those things, you know what I mean? Which is like two or three levels down for most folks. People don't even think about it. They're just like, well, no, unvaccinated or bad because that's what the president said or that's what the newspaper said or whatever. Um, yeah, and I think just like open, another thing that requires amnesty, open hate speech of that degree. I don't think I had witnessed in my lifetime. Like Donald Trump, like was a pretty, like, I, I would say he got close to hate speech in, on a bunch of occasions, um, but he never said anything, like anything as, as intense or, or like out loud as we've had through the past two years. And then not only that, but like not just the president saying stuff like that, but then people all over the place saying stuff. It was like, in some ways it was almost like you were allowed to say terrible things about the unvaccinated or the anti-maskers or whatever. And it was like, people got permission to use the N-word and people were just like happy to say it, happy to drop anti-vaxxer, call the unvaccinated as though, you know. Oh, we're so pent up, man. I yeah, mean it was like, there's a lot, there's like a lot of tension. Well, and I think too, there was a lot of, from lockdowns and stuff, there was a lot of tension generally. And I think that's why the, the BLM like uh, protests and then also the BLM riots occurred. Uh, was not just because of the incident, but because everyone was like sequestered. We wanted someone, we had to get our anger out somewhere. People were suppressing a phenomenal amount of fear, phenomenal amount of rage, you know, all of that. And then, and in some ways it was helpful because I was like, oh, there's a good place for it. Hey, police officers shouldn't be murdering citizens. Hey, yeah, wait, yes, yes, let's not do that, <laughs> you know? So, and then the, the sad, but it wasn't enough. It didn't pressure valve us enough. But then somehow, I think once the, once the various people types was just kind of allowed, or you realize you could say it, and then people around you would go, yeah, yeah. Then it was like, it was on, you know? I think much in the same way that people were concerned during Trump's presidency, that people would be much more like loose in their lips about um, speaking negatively about immigrants generally, you know, because that was kind of his whole whatever right. bug, bugaboo. Um, so that, yeah, hate, just seeing hate speech from people and then hate action, like hate-based discrimination from people who I never thought I would hear those things. That was astonishing to me. And again, not levied at me very often specifically, but, you know, but I saw it being levied generally at, at tribes and groups. I was like, and that's a big thing. That's a big thing to forgive socially, you know? I think it would be very hard and I think it'd be healing and beautiful, but you think about the difference between like, like benefiting from systemic racism as opposed to being like an avowed open white supremacist speaking right. about how, you know what I mean? You're a person who like said out loud how good Jim Crow laws were, or when Jim Crow laws were enacted, you were like, oh my gosh, stop complaining. You're not being killed. You know what I mean? The lynch, and, and this is fascinating. During Jim Crow, I was reading this the other day that like lynchings weren't necessarily any higher during Jim Crow than they were like pre or post for a few years. Like that's still just, that was actually mob justice was like a general way that people uh, dealt with their murderous rage slash adjudicated cr crime as they saw fit, um, which is just generally horrifying. Let's just, let's just go ahead and say that out loud. Um, but yeah, to see that very similar pattern play out, um, 
with that sort of system of allowance. And then I was like, and then how do you forget? You know what I mean? And I think it's powerful. But if you think about somebody who's actively supported or shrugged away discrimination, then forgiving those people's children, it's not that hard. Their children's children, whatever. But the people who said and did it, that's very difficult, you know? And we saw that like post-Holocaust, Nuremberg trials and stuff. We saw Holocaust survivors like forgive like guards at concentration camps. And if that doesn't wreck your freaking soul, I mean, I don't know what will. When you're like, what do you mean? How do you even get to that? I mean, that obviously, because that's taking this to a deep extreme, but it's a manifestation of the same thing of someone who directly wronged you or wronged you because they didn't think about it or wronged you because they thought it was the right thing to do or whatever to get to the place of like apology and forgiveness there. I mean, it makes me, it makes the human party a little bit angry. You're like, don't forgive them. The person's terrible, you know? But to see that, I mean, when you see that, you see those words come out of people's mouths. I mean, I cry every single time. I don't know how you, you can't. It's so beautiful. The apology? Yeah, like, like apo apologizing and forgiving someone. The, the actual people who said the wrong, the evil thing against you did the wrong thing against you. I mean, that's, I just think that's so transformative and so beautiful. And that's what this whole amnesty concept kind of skips over, you know? Let's just, let's just say everyone's get forgiven for anything they did. You're like, what, what? what? Right. Like no. a, yeah. What I'm hearing there is, yeah, an apology is powerful when it's specific. Yeah. And, and this sort of general, like sweeping, like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Let's, let's move on, shall we? Yeah. And think about the healing for that, like in that situation, right? Like an actual, like a, a guard at a concentration camp. Think about the, I mean, in some ways, like, will that person even be able to receive that forgiveness if they've been convicted in their conscience? But if they could, and if the, I mean, you think about what the, even if it's just, they're like, okay, well, that's one prisoner of the 4,000 people whose lives I helped end, you know, who have forgiven me. So I have to go collect 3,999 other forgivenesses. But still to hear that one, I mean, that I don't, that, and, and, and so I say that not to be like, well, let's definitely focus on the, the villain here, but no, both the, like the, the victim and the villain, I want them both healed. Like I don't, I don't want someone to skip straight to amnesty. I want them to have the healing of having the making the apology and receiving the forgiveness. I mean, that's well, that's the good stuff. Yeah, and that's what gives us the the possibility of interrupting yeah. this pattern in the future. I mean, that's yes. kind of a lot of crime because if we don't address that, uh, which frameworks like restorative justice transformative justice truth and reconciliation they this is this is the idea let's get yeah. rid of this and look at where this came from and what what would lead folks to behave like that yeah. um to vilify others like that and to your the point you often make in such an extraordinary short amount of time like we've like we're perfecting the art of of just training millions of people to to be a certain way yeah one thing i want to check in with though is uh some of the things you're comparing it to like lynchings or the holocaust were very vile physical acts of violence yes is it did much of that happen here to your knowledge or was it mostly no it didn't get there yet no media 
Yeah. No, no, didn't get there yet. Kind of the same as, I mean, that's why that, again, I, uh, I'm not the only person to make the comparison and people don't like the comparison, but whatever, get over yourself uh, to the Holocaust is great uh, because the Holocaust didn't happen immediately. Um, right. It was years and years of first social, I mean, like it was a, it was a, it would probably, it, I mean, it was like four to six years or whatever until the final solution was in place after they, and they, they killed uh, mentally handicapped people first. And they, you know, they, they were, they, they kind of worked their way towards their, the aim of murdering Jewish people. Um, but it started really just as like mild segregation. And then all of a sudden you had to be marked in a particular way. And then later on, and this is like months and months later, you had to then have certain cars to go certain places. And then all of a sudden you couldn't go certain places. You know what I mean? It was a, it was a progressive system. And in some ways, I think we stopped short of that here. Um, but, the, but the ideology was already in place. Again, we saw from like surveys and polls of people were like over 50% of or around 50% of Democrats, you know, favored um, essentially going into government camps for the unvaccinated, that people's children should be taken away. They should be fined. That was even higher. Children taken away and fines was up to like 60 and 70%. So people were fully at that point of like, yep, approve of that. It didn't happen yet. Thank goodness. Um, but there has been a scenario where. If if the COVID the COVID rates went up, which yeah, the general thing, I'm like I don't even know what that means, but maybe yeah, particularly the death rates or 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 even yes. just the perception of that, not hard to imagine us drifting in that direction. Oh, very quickly, yeah. And people have lost obviously jobs. People have lost uh, livelihood. People are going to die from those sorts of things um, right. downstream. Um, people have lost their children. People have had their children taken away. Um, people. Uh, Unvaccinated people. What you pointed out was that they yeah. missed cancer treatments and screenings. Yeah, 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 yeah. They start coming out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And a judge, man, what was it? It might have been Illinois. I can't remember. Anyway, but a judge literally took away custody of a child um, until such time as they, the person was vaccinated, like the mom, until the mom got vaccinated. She wasn't allowed to like have custody of her that. children. That yeah. Was- so it was like, so, you know horrifying and and physical obviously physical force was used to remove unvaccinated people on a number of occasions when they, when they, when they, yeah. yeah 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 but no no they there was no there was no mass uh mass slaughter um arranged uh no mob justice in that fashion just screaming oh, well then we're good i don't know yes yeah 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 well no but that's uh, honestly it's what a lot of people have said though they're like oh my gosh it's like no one's getting shot to death and i was like dude that's not the that is not our standard. We don't want to wait till that's happened to be like, well, now you can call it prejudice. You're like, no, this is the problem. Like, this is the problem with Nazi Germany. They didn't stop it in the first six months. Go, what, what do you mean they have to put a thing? They have to put a badge on. What? No. That's when you stop. You don't, by the time it's hit phase 14, it was like, it's it's so beyond too late. Because at that point, you've already bought into it being A, just normal slash typical. And then B, even whether you've thought through or not, it's ideological. You're like, that. yes, this is as it should be. And this is as it always has been. Um, yeah. Well, are there, are there more on your list? I want to make sure we get through. Yeah, them. I just want to, you know, the censoring people thing was a huge deal. That is a that is an act of harm. We talked about that in our freedom of speech episode. That's something we need, that amnesty, apology, and forgiveness would have to happen before. Um, I think the continual lies about the pandemic or COVID, I looked at this one thing from the New York Times where it said, new research suggests that COVID's disruption of social rituals and rites of passage have made people less extroverted, creative, agreeable, and conscientious. Now, all of that sounds terrible. 
COVID didn't disrupt anybody's social rituals. I mean, unless you literally died of COVID. It was like a respiratory virus doesn't disrupt social rituals, except for the individuals who are actively sick, like, and you can't be part of said ritual. But the research, I looked at it, wasn't talking about that. It was talking about social isolation. It was talking about lockdown effects, government effects. And so there's been this whole thing of just like, it's very convenient. It's basically this really big rug for anyone to sweep any harms under. It's like, well, COVID, man. And listen, we, I am guilty of this myself. I apologize for this. I absolutely early on in 2020 used like, ah, you know, this whole COVID thing in order to not uh, be hospitable in my home. We were going to have, a, I'm going to confess it right now. We were originally supposed to have a party for basically a real estate agent, for the people who built the house, the whole team who helped us find it. That was our sort of deal. But it kind of was mid lockdown by the time we got into this house that we were like, oh, well, you know, uh, so we just didn't do it. And I was like, well, no one's really going to be mad at us because it's like, well, it's a pandemic. But it was that wasn't real. That was malarkey. I just did. I was like, oh, it's kind of a hassle to like, clean the house, cook all the food, have the people over, clean up afterwards. It's awkward stranger conversation. You know what I mean? So we all, we all did it, but it became like, it's just, it's just a malaria. Like we lie, we're basically lying to ourselves and to other people constantly. I think that one's a, it's a small, it's maybe a small harm uh, in the, in the death count, but it's actually a huge social, um, social damage, you know, cause we are now, as everyone's looking at, we're a phenomenally isolated, depressed, lonely, and friendless culture. So whoops. <laughs> yeah i had a friend who pointed out he was like yeah everything got canceled during covid and now that we're coming out i'm i'm trying to keep everything canceled because i actually didn't yes. want to do any of that shit to begin with um, yes yes the introvert introverts dream the extroverts nightmare <laughs> i want to see that study actually. i know but that's fascinating and you know for me yeah one that comes to mind was i realized uh my my bank would reverse fees. Yes. Like yep. Bank fees, whatever. Um, if you just dropped COVID, like yeah, you know, normally it's like three a year or whatever they'll reverse. And and I was like, I just tried it one day and I was like, ah, you know, having COVID hardship and and it was like infinite. I mean, it was it was Done. a it was a rough Done. financial period for me. And I was like, Yes. Oh, I'm over again. COVID. Sorry. Yeah. COVID. Yeah. From an intersectionality lens, it's almost like we all got to claim some version of oppression as long as we were like in the pandemic. You're like, oh, well, I'm an oppressed category. So kind of, can you help me out? Can you help me out here? I'm alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, in some ways that also would help you understand why some people don't really like the idea of anyone saying the pandemic's, you know, when Biden said the pandemic's over, although he extended the state of emergency. So obviously he was lying, but um, we, I was like that, that's got to panic some folks. You know what I mean? I introverts. Uh, people who were kind of appreciative of the fact that they had this kind of get out of jail free card for rent. I mean, this this applied to a bunch of different situations. You know what I mean? For rent, for for uh, banks, for bank fees, for late late fees, for anything. You know what I mean? It kind of was a get out of jail free card. And people, and then people got in the habit of just saying it was because of COVID or because of the pandemic, but it wasn't. It was all, or not all, but you know, whatever, ninety nine percent to do with like how the government responded. Yeah, and it and it actually released a lot of funding and created programs that yeah. I would argue we ought to have anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Although we spent so much, oh my gosh, on COVID relief. It's crazy. Between COVID relief and like Ukraine stuff, our government has spent, all of a sudden you're like, you can never say you didn't have enough money to do 
anything you wanted to do because you just gave away, I mean, at this point, what, trillion, like a trillion dollars, probably a, tr a trillion and a half dollars uh, to things that you, problems that you created. Meaning that obviously, uh, as Noam Chomsky said, anytime people keep saying over and over again that that aggression, that, uh, you know, war aggression was unprovoked you know it was provoked um so you know pro essentially provoked a the a, a, the russian ukrainian situation we provoked the pandemic d destruction here and then basically spent a ton of money to kind of like clean up our mess that we somewhat intentionally made it's like why are there school lunch debts at public school why are kids not able to get a free lunch today because they owe 18 dollars when you just gave 1.5 trillion dollars away that you never needed to do for methods that you made. I mean, that's, I mean, this is why politics is exhausting. Like we're people. So this is why I want to focus on the individual healing. Just apologize. Just start apologizing people. Uh, censoring people was terrible. We're looking more into that. And then Twitter, obviously in Missouri, uh, uh, attorney general saw how the government did, was involved with censoring. That was bad. Hate speech. Uh, the whole projection, like people calling people Nazis and fascists or unpatriotic because they didn't just do the thing that they said. That was really like jingoistic and creepy. That needs to be apologized for. Lockdowns in general. Um, a Wall Street Journal editorial was just published recently uh, talking about how Trump was disqualified from running for president uh, because he because of lockdowns. He sort of let those happen and sort of was the original, in some ways, a partial architect. Um, and those have so clearly been a failure, um, you know, way more harm than good. Um, that it really should disqualify anybody. So that's something people need to apologize for. And people are super hesitant about that. They're still fighting that. School closures is part of that. And then I think the amnesty or apology, the, the crime, can, the conviction, these, these crimes need to be convicted of and apologize for so we can forgive people. The suicide of institutional trust, because misleading public health messaging, CDC withholding data, the deceit to Congress, like people lying to Congress. Fauci is a good example. Um, FDA approvals with no real world human data. Pretty much the same thing we saw in Dope Sick or whatever. They're like, oh my gosh, all these institutions are so phenomenally corrupt. And the problem is those institutions would have been really helpful in a pandemic and would be helpful in the next manner of crisis. Right. So if we don't fix that, that problem is, it's just no one, no one who is an evidence-based thinker is going to listen to those people. And it would be like, it would actually be kind of helpful if those people were evidence-based and helpful because that's, I assume, why they were put like why those systems were constructed in the first place, or maybe not, maybe even in the first place they were constructed to be corrupt. I don't know, but that's like a big thing that needs to be healed or should be healed or else, you know, this is everyone's concern. You're like, well, if you don't listen to CDC, then it's all chaos. And I was like, okay, but it's worse than chaos now because they're misleading. So then you don't want to go the wrong way. You just want to fix it. So then they would be helping people go like an evidence-based way or just helping lead people to information so people can actually adjudicate these things for themselves is the is I think the best way. But I think people in politics would be like, you don't understand how stupid people are. But I don't, I don't, I just don't find any joy or benefit of thinking that way about human beings. Even if it is true. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean that I think the institutional trust was was on the decline already. So this, this yes. is the, the nail in the coffin. Yeah. And basically the problem was that I saw trajectory wise. Yeah. The institutional trust was phenomenally low before the pandemic, but then it skyrocketed super high right, during, right. during that first year. And then that's, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. We so clamored for it. We were like, Oh yeah, God, please, please. These, the you're the people. And then, and then honestly, that's, that elevated them so far beyond realistic expectations. So when then they failed utterly to be 
like even essentially trustworthy, then basically we we crammed them on a pedestal that we didn't have them on before. And then when they failed us, then like tore them down from the pedestal in many ways. Or some people are just like, no, they're the best. They're the best. And then can't, whatever, are kind of frozen in some ways. But it was, I mean, it's, a, it's their fault because they messed up, but it's also like our fault as a species or as a country for being like, for cramming people up on a pedestal that we, there was no good reason to do it. And then it made their job too hard. You know what I mean? Then at that point, they pretty much had to be like batting a thousand or at least 80%, <laughs> batting 800. I don't know. I don't know how to do baseball stats. <laughs> I don't know. I always mess that one up too. I don't know. I don't know. I just know a few cultural batting, ones. Batting a hundred. Is that it? Batting a hundred. Is that good or is that bad? That's one out of 10. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 10, 10%, 0.1. How does it go? Are there fractions? Um, but yeah, those are just things I wanted to bring up that I was like, all, all of that with it robed in, I wanted to sort of conclude as I was, you know, I've been talking about over and over again in a hopeful way that um, we need to look at ourselves and find out which crimes we committed, find out who we need to apologize to on an individual basis, anyone listening to this. And then we need it on an institutional basis too, as a, as a parent. And, and also because let's get into practice of doing this generally, right? Because this is how we can heal. We can heal it here, which is like a, a very fast, big rupture to where people hate are hating each other to like astronomical <laughs> heights. But like, if we can heal this, then wouldn't this be a great test pattern? Cause it was, it's pretty new. So then there's not at least generations of, of, of enmity to try to like wrangle through. Like here's a great test pattern cause we can get into this everywhere. You know what I mean? So that, that. let's normalize into, you know, the hyper, the micro level of this. Let's yeah. Let's Let's normalize, you know, interpersonal one-on-one -on -one apology and then go from there. I love it. So I'm sorry. And I love you. I'm sorry. And I love you. I forgive you. And I love you. Actually, do you know, let's see if I can find this real quick. Uh, it's, I always mess up the spelling. Um, Ho'oponopono. Uh-huh. You know this? It's a traditional Hawaiian practice of reconciliation oh, yeah. forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it should be easy enough to memorize. I don't know why I'm not finding it in this article about it. It's weird. But I think it goes. Let's see if I can remember. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Oh my God, there's another piece to it. <laughs> Do you know it? No. Hmm. We're gonna have to edit out this part. That's funny. We'll skip to the part where I find it. But it's so it's so relevant to what you just said. I am sorry, forgive me, thank you, I love you. There you go, you found it. Yeah. What did I leave out, the thank you part? Yeah. I'm sorry, and some people even put, please forgive me. So forgive say it again. I, I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Yeah. And you can see that as like a prayer, but then also as like, those are the stages too, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> forgive me. That happens. Thank you for this day. And then I love you. And the great thing is you get to do the end part together. I love you. I love you too. Bye, beautiful. Bye.